What was it like, you know, achieving what you achieved last December, kind of, you know, leaving the stadium without the cup and no big homecoming and everything else? Like, it was, it was, was, it? It was a very humbling uh, situation. Um, it was... It was very special, I suppose, for the group because obviously we were all together and, you know, I suppose the success was shared within the group that evening, you know. Um, of course, we would have loved to have come back and to have been with our supporters, to be with our families, our clubs, um, work colleagues, but it, it just wasn't to be. And, you know, I suppose... None of us even realised on the 13th of December what was coming in, in January, you know. Um, that was that was rather frightening, to be honest. And, um, you know, I was just glad that we got to have the championship played off last year. And I thought, you know, you know my thoughts on it. I thought it would have been an absolute tragedy had we not managed to get a championship played last year, you know, regardless of who was successful in it, you know, from... A historical perspective from a resilience perspective I thought it was a really important thing that was played and I think you know hats off to everybody who made it happen um, so yeah it, it, it has been very strange you know from the 13th of December none of us met like for months really you know so you know there wasn't there wasn't a sign of a cup for, for, for four months either like so it was a very strange thing uh, it was a super achievement we are extremely proud of the achievement, extremely proud of our performance levels last year, extremely proud of the players and all the backroom team and what they did. It was a different All-Ireland. It was a different comp you know, time, I suppose, but one that we look back in time, I think, on and, and be very proud of our contribution to, 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 to that championship. Thanks, John. Yeah. Hard to, hard to describe it, Jason, really, to be honest. It's, it was a very surreal whole couple of months really you know yeah cheers John Philip Lanigan here how are you doing Philip how are you good to see I'm you good, good. Uh, you, you mentioned the kind of the sense of history nearly with what happened last winter I guess what about sense of history attached to what the team have been achieving and hope to achieve I guess if the summer runs as planned you know you might have a, a link back to the the great team of the 30s and, you know, Munster, consecutive Munster titles on the, the team, the kind of Mick Mackey's era. So what about that sense of history about what this team has achieved? I'd be straight to Philip, I haven't given it one single solitary moment's consideration. Um, like, you, do, you just don't get very much opportunity to reflect, you know, like whilst, whilst we had no training or and matches or meetings or any get-togethers of any description over the last four months, you know, you might say that that would give you opportunity to reflect on what had been achieved, you know. But when you're in my job by day trying to manage a school and you're, you're told on the 6th of January that the school is going back to online learning again, you know, those opportunities to reflect are zero after that because you're just literally firefighting to keep you know in touch with your teachers your your support staff your students your parents so you know it's been a really challenging time in education um like people send their kids off to school but you know when when you have 
hundreds of kids at home trying to be educated uh, through online. Like for, for all the families out there, they know what's involved. Uh, people with kids know what it was involved. So for us, you know, it was it was all consuming. I, even if there was training, I wouldn't have even been able to engage in it of any description because you're just totally taken over by the day job in that circumstance. Um, so it has been great now to get everybody back into school and get everybody, you know, in a, in, a, in back into their routines again. And you know, hurling has come back on, and you know, I've really enjoyed the last two weeks and going to training. It's been good for my head as well as uh, you know, enjoying the being back with the lads. But I suppose. That type of reflection, I think, Philip, will possibly maybe only come in years to come, you know. And right now, I'm looking forward to Saturday night. Uh, I know it's going to be a huge, huge challenge for us. Um, you know, every time we play Tipperary, it's a real, real tough game. They have superb hurlers all over the pitch. They have a lot of young players coming through out of their uh, under-20s teams for the last two years, 21 teams. So they have a lot coming through. And that's where my focus is right now, is preparing the team for Saturday night and, uh, you know, being ready for training tomorrow night. You know, it's very short-term goals, I suppose, really, at the moment, short-term focus. I just, I guess there's a, a consensus, common consensus, that the unusually short turnaround from the All-Ireland would probably play into the hands of the, the title holders more than any team, that it's going to be harder for other counties to close the gap. So what do you think about that, that Limerick, the way it's fallen, Limerick are in a better position maybe than ever to, to kind of stay ahead of the, the pack. The, the, <laughs> that perceived gap, uh, I'm glad there's only three words in the letter gap. You know, it's a short word. It's, it's a short gap, I can assure you. You know, next Saturday night, we could, be, we could know, you know very much how much uh, that gap is. So, listen, we know full well that on any given day, any teams in the All-Ireland competition are capable of beating each other. Um, it comes down to a matter of moments, decisions, execution of shots, you know, last-ditch tackles, hooks, blocks, flicks. It, it comes down to the very minutiae of, of details. And I've no doubt that we're going to see some absolutely cracking games of Holland in the weeks ahead. Uh, I think all of the squads will have enjoyed the break and will be back fresh and will be hungry for, for action. And it's a case of, you know, over the coming weeks, we're going to see where, where teams are at. And uh, I think what we'll see is that we're going to have one hell of a championship come come the, the summer. And uh, it's only around the corner. So, yeah, I'd say enjoy the, enjoy the next couple of weeks. There's going to be some great games. Great games. Great stuff. Thanks, John. Uh, John, Sean Moore in uh, the Times. How are you? Sean, how are you? In relation to the, the new disciplinary rules which are, are, are coming in, is it odd to be about to embark on them without having had the usual uh, ways of getting uh, acclimatised to them? Um, you know, it's been a very, it's a very rushed preparation as things are. Yeah, listen... We haven't engaged in the conversation just yet. Um, that's with our players. Because when we analysed last season, for example, there was only one potential incident that could be taken as a, a sample or as, a, as a, a typical scenario. And even at that, that wasn't a very clear-cut one. It would have come on under the, 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 the constitution of... A, other defenders were around and would have possibly gotten back to make a tackle. So hence, it shouldn't have been a penalty with a yellow card or a red if it was a second defence, etc. Right. So listen, we're, we're, we're legislating here for, for specific 
a specific situation. I don't believe that that makes good rulemaking, to be honest with you. Um, you know, hard law is bad law, and this is a hard rule. I, I feel sorry for the referees that they have to, you know, make the decisions with this rule that they're going to have to make because I think there are too many factors to be taken in. Um, that's my own, this is my own personal view now. This is not the view of Limerick or anything else now. This is just my own personal view. Um, like I, I, I partly guess you'd bring up, somebody would bring up the rules tonight. So, you know, I, I was reading through the document that we were sent where the rules were explained. And, you know, if I, if I just share the screen that you're there, uh, I'm not able to, okay. Um, it doesn't matter. But, you know, the rule, the rule is quite a complex rule. You know, you have to decide where, first of all, the infringement took place. That's a real challenge with the speed of hurling to be even in the same half of the field uh, at times. If it's a long delivery, for example, and a player takes a clean in the air, you, you know, it's very difficult. Um, number two, you have to determine, are there other defenders between that player and the goal? And then are there defenders who could have gotten back to make a tackle? Uh and then the nature of the infringement then, is it careless use of the hurley? How many different careless uses of the hurley do we have under rule five? I don't know, I must look up that. Um, then we have the pull down or we have the trip as well. And then, of course, what you do of a wet day when a player might slip and you're at the other end of the field, determining whether he slipped or whether he was actually had tripped uh, could be a challenge also. So I just think there are too many variables that have to be decided in a, in a moment. And I have had the pleasure of standing in the middle of the field with our group of players and refereeing the in-house games. And I know what it's like to have to try and make decisions in, in our own in-house games when you're struggling to keep up with the play. Uh, now, thankfully, the referees are much fitter than I am. Uh, but, you know, I understand what it's like to do that in training. I can't imagine how difficult it'll be with 82,000 people in Crow Park with a couple of minutes left in a big game. That's, that's, not, that's not an easy place to be. That's not an easy place to be. So, yeah, there's, uh, that's a tough rule. That's a tough rule. Now, I know there was a few incidents of cynicism uh, in last year's campaign. You know, you could probably pick out maybe three or four in Horro. But like, do three or four moments in hurling matches mean that we have to go back and bring in such a hard rule? I don't. My I, my personal opinion is that we shouldn't have to. Um, I think there is a, at at elite level of sport, in every sport, there's a certain degree of cynicism. Okay, with the world championships and snooker going on at the moment, if a player is snookered and the ball, his attempt misses, it's put back again. It's put back again. It's put back again. One could say that that's a, a cynical approach to playing snooker. Why doesn't he take on the next shot that he's presented with? His ball's there, he can shoot it. Why doesn't he take him on? Well, he's trying to win his match. It's a world championships. So rugby players can take the ball out of the back of a rock and kick it straight out into the stand to end the game. Um, you know, a rugby player on the ground can put his hand on the ball and cynically give away a penalty uh, when the ball is on the ground. A soccer player can take the ball into the corner flag and play with himself and, and just you know retain the ball in the corner flag. You know, I don't believe there's any sport that doesn't have some opportunity or some field sport in it that doesn't have some opportunity to be cynical if you really want to be. 
And does this end cynicism in our game? I don't believe it will. There'll be some other way found. You know, somebody will think of some other angle, some other approach that will bring in another aspect of, of cynicism. So I think we can spend a lot of time trying to take out what is perceived to be cynicism. And at the end of the day, are we going to solve the problem? We probably are not. I could be, I could be proven completely wrong, Sean, by the way. Uh, I don't know. This is my belief in, in what I feel about this particular change. So, yeah, that's... Sorry now, Sean, for taking so long, but it's, it's very complex, like, isn't it? I don't know how you feel about it, but I find it's very complex. And yet we're trying to legislate for a moment in a game. And I think it, it could be very hard. I think it could be very hard. Yeah, thanks. Uh, one other thing in relation to Paddy O'Loughlin, um, you said he stepped away. Is, is that an open-ended thing, or do you think he'd be back for the, the championship? Um, I, I don't actually know, to be honest with you, Sean. So, yeah, we'll, okay. wait and see. we'll wait and see. All right. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Uh, John, Colum, Colum Keys here. How are you? Colum, hello there. How are you? No, how are things? Just uh, you had the experience of being champions going into 2019. What sort of pitfalls do you think, you know, have, lending on that or calling on that experience from 2019 and you had a good 2019, what sort of pitfalls do you think there are for champions in a sport like hurling? What do you have to really watch out for over these next few weeks and months? Yeah, it's a great question. God, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I suppose, listen, number one, we have to put the learnings that we, we have from having been through this scenario before into place, you know. So, um, you know, as you say, that experience of having been there and having, you know, been through that experience, you do learn, uh, you know, lessons from it. Um, like you do from all seasons, really, you know, you, you, you will make mistakes um, as, you know, a player, as a manager, you know, you're, you're going to make certain mistakes that you might turn around and say, listen, I should have maybe changed my approach to this or that. But I think really you can overthink things too. And I think it's, it's actually a great skill to be able to try and take each year as it comes and its own merits. Like, we don't know from week to week what players are going to get injured. Uh, will we have the same players available to us as we did last year at the end of the year? We, we may not. Um, so will some new players come through and find, you know, uh, that they can push their way onto the team? Uh, I, I, hope they, I hope they can, you know, I hope the players do come through and do put their hand up and, you know, push their way into the group. So, I think this year is different too, you see, from any other previous years, if you like, because, when we finished in December, you know, we didn't scarcely meet each other for four months after that. Whereas previous winners would have had all sorts of functions and travel, you know, team holidays, uh, all-star trips, uh, you know, Super 11s, uh, events with their clubs, events with their colleges, their workplaces. Uh, middle presentation nights, all those distractions that are out there, you know, for winners, none of that was there this year. So, you know, when it was over, it was over. That was it. 
finito. So this year is different to any other previous winning uh, experience, is what I would say to you. And, you know, for our lads, there's good, there's good in that and there's bad in that because, you know, for example, I haven't been able to have the cup at my home place since, you know, that hasn't happened. And it's not going to probably happen. So that's, that's a pity. That's a loss. That's not a gain. I don't, you couldn't turn that into a gain. Um, so that's a loss. But am I sorry that I didn't have to traipse around the country with, you know, to two dozen primary schools and secondary schools and, you know, all the rest of that goes with it. You know, that's, that's hard. That's hard. That's mentally hard. That's, that's tiring and exhausting. And we didn't have to go through that this year. So we're saved all that. Um, and that's, that is, you know, in its own right, it is a loss as well because those organizations, you know, benefit greatly from those experiences and those visits. Uh, but it does take a lot out of you. Um, so it, it's hard to know what way it will play out. Will it all be positive or will, it all, will there be some negatives? And I think it's going to be a mix. Um, but I think the big thing really, Colm, though, if you think back on 2019 and take out all of the, the sideshows and the, all, all the other bits and pieces that were there, the bottom line is, you know, we weren't as consistent in 2019 as we were in 2018 or 2020. All right, we lost uh, a number of championship matches in Munster, and we eventually ended up losing the Ireland semi-final to to uh, Kilkenny. Um, we had some really, really great performances, um, but we had some poor performances in there as well. And ultimately, that's what it bore down to: we weren't consistent in twenty in twenty nineteen. And that is why we weren't successful in 2019, because we were inconsistent. And you, you, you have to have a consistent high level of performance to be victorious and successful. That's the bottom line. So I think if I was to go after something this year, I'd be looking for uh, consistent consistency. Finally, just from me, John, uh, you have a two years now of two seasons where there's been a lot of remote preparation and I'm not sure whether players have come back to you in the last couple of weeks as fit as they would have been with a full pre-season but my point is do you see a different way for GAA teams to train in the future there's obviously a lot more trust being given to players because they're away and they can't train together but do you see a different way that's maybe less taxing on them on inter-county players in the future that could be a better way perhaps, and that they're given more space to, uh, to train remotely. Yeah, listen, when you think back, Colm, on what we were doing, going back to training in November, doing a pre-season in November, December, with a pre-season competition, uh, followed by a month in January, which was, you know, a mix of closing out that pre-season competition, Fitzgibbon Cup, preparations for the National Hurling League, and then starting the National Hurling League at the end of January and that progressing on until the end of March, taking a month for the club and then going back into the, club, the, 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 the Munster Championship and the All-Ireland Series and it all finishing the end of August. That can probably never happen again. Like that was, that was nuts like. Um, Jesus, to wear the hat was stone. You know, it was, it was so long like. There was no end to it. And then, you know, sooner finished 
and you had to turn your eye to planning literally two weeks later. So it was a three six five job. You know, it was round the clock, round round the calendar. So yeah, split season, six months. Uh, I don't think any intercounty panel should be back until the first of January, second of January. In fact, I give New Year's Eve. Let them have New Year's Eve. No train on New Year's Day. Uh, and anyone that would organise it should be shot. But, you know, the 2nd of January, let the lads have their New Year's Eve. No training at all in December. Uh, Inter-county training. Get back the 1st of, of, of uh, January and drive on from there. And as you say, trust the players to come back in reasonable shape themselves. And the fellas that don't, they'll play the ultimate price. They won't be picked. And that's it. Thanks, John. Thanks. Okay. Okay, men. Uh, if we're done... Hello, just John. Just the one question and a very brief one, if if you don't mind. Um, How are you? With yourself? Good enough. Uh, it's just emerged this evening, John, that um the Moir Furna um they've been given a reprieve, and I suppose they'll be able to continue in their role um this this season. Is that is that a welcome bit of news? It is, yes. Um, and maybe not for the reasons that you might think. Uh. For me, I feel the Merfona role has one particular function which I think is really important, and that is their ability to go into a player who may not be feeling well uh, and actually get a read from him because you know he's in he's he's in around the field from time to time. When the when there's a break and play, when there's a break and play. And I think you know, if there was an issue with the Merfona's uh, encroachment onto the pitch, there were rules and procedures that could be followed to punish those who were in, in breach of those rules. In other words, they could have fined them, they could have suspended them, they could have done anything they wanted with those that were, you know, blatantly flouting the laws. Um, and I think it was actually something that was more, uh, occurring more, maybe more so in football than it was in hurling. But listen, at the same time, I think it could have been dealt with. And I think it could have been sorted. But I think it's a really important facet to have somebody that can uh, a player can call. Because the first aid, uh, the, the medic, the doctor and the physio are only brought onto the field when there's an injury. right? But if you're a player who's on the field and you're not feeling well, right? you might be after getting a bang to the head that wasn't picked up by the referee. And you may not be feeling so well. You could be nauseous, for example. You could be suffering from concussion. The, the, the mayor fauna picks up on an awful lot of that stuff. And when he comes out, would report it back to the medical team or report it to me and we can deal with it. And we've had to deal with several, several uh, different scenarios over the last four years. And for me, that is the main reason I would allow the mayor fauna to continue in the role. It is nothing to do with coaching. It is nothing to do with organisation. It is simply that we can, it's a big pitch, like the pitch is ginormous. When you're in Crow Park, to, to the corner back and the far corner by the hill might as well be in Drumcondra or outside in the airport road. You know what I mean? You have the hope of getting a message to him or he getting a message back up to you. It's, and like the, you know, even your hurley carries aren't allowed to have a radio or all these things. So it's, it's very sanitised, but I think ultimately somebody will pay the price for that sanitisation of our game. And somebody will unfortunately be sick in the field and will remain there until something happens. And that's my main concern with the issue with the mayor forward.